nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening and welcome to San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry. Uh, joining me uh, tonight is Royce and uh, Rafa will be joining me on Sunday, uh, probably about 8, 8.30ish, uh, somewhere, or probably around 8.30ish uh, to set that fair expectation uh, for that here. Royce, how are you? I, I like the mug. Uh, See, I have a un unofficial sponsor, Mama Margie's Coffee here. So there you go. If you'd like to sponsor us, we're open to it. 100%. That'd be great. Even if you want to pay some bean and cheese tacos, that would be would useful. That would, yeah, yeah, my kid would love it too. <laughs> That's one of the few things Rex will eat uh, for breakfast. His favorite two breakfast items are either a bean and cheese taco or pancakes. So, because he's a toddler and that's what toddlers do. Well, I have teenagers and <laughs> bean and cheese tacos are typically what they get. And then. So, I, I say toddlers. At the same time, I should watch my mouth because I'm probably going to yell at for this. But my wife's holy trinity of breakfast tacos is a barbacoa, a bean and cheese, and a chorizo and bean. Those three are her, that's that's her trifecta. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm not uh, very shy of which tacos to eat, as as evident <laughs> uh, by uh, by my size, unfortunately. <laughs> that's one of the. It's, it's one of the plus sizes. <laughs> Plus sizes, plus sides, Freudian slip. Plus sizes, it fits. <laughs> right. Plus sides about, it's it's one of the pros and cons of living in San Antonio is the food because it's fantastic. And the problem is it's also fantastic. I will say um, a taco joint, Mama Margie's, you are, you are number one. But what I would say, especially if you sponsor us, number two. Uh, there's a, anybody sponsors us, you'll be number one. That's, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> provisional number one unless somebody sponsors us exactly but there's a taco joint that i've had breakfast tacos from that we used to get tacos from every friday at my previous job which was in bernie um called mary's tacos and they just opened up um a location by bobby j's burgers and holotus uh yeah go check out mary's tacos uh it will it'll change your life it's uh it, it's really good worth your time worth your time so I labeled this episode the good, the bad, and SAFC, and I guess we could even talk about the U.S. men's national team because uh, you know I think that fits them as well uh, for their performance this past uh, week here, weekend, week weekend here. Uh, sorry we missed show on Wednesday, but I was just worn out uh, on, on Wednesday. You know, after the late night uh, up in Austin and getting back late working, and then it just yeah, I was exhausted, and then the kids were. Kids. <laughs> yeah, I had a same. I actually had a uh, unfortunately a, a funeral for a relative on Wednesday, and it was around noon in the Texas sun, 
while I was wearing all black, as was my wife. And uh, yeah, uh, the sun kind of took it up, took it out of us, but we have recovered. We're good to go, and uh, let's uh, let's get it. So let's start with uh, the first match, which I thought was a really good match. One-one um, draw to the Riverhounds, disappointing ending. Um, yeah, yeah. But the Riverhounds, are, SAFC showed that they could go toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the league. And well, the, the most impressive thing that I thought from this match was Ellen Marcina going toe to toe with Bob Lilly and the halftime I mean, adjustments it, with the halftime adjustment that worked beautifully. Um, and if, once again, if you take out that last flip in five minutes, yeah, but you got to give it to the river hounds. That's that's Lilly ball right yeah. there. They play yes, defensively. It is. Um, but Lily was smart. He subbed in, you know, his starters at halftime, um, for that here. And I think Marcina knew that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause when you saw the pregame lineup, you know, where, uh, Forbes was out, Cicerone was out and Dixon was out. Um, you had to figure they were coming on if they needed, um, in, in the second half, uh, you know, for that here. So, which is going to be kind of a teaser of what I think is developing a problem possibly with SAFC um, and the rotation up top is where, you know, there's not really a rotation to have, which I think we saw as a prime example on Tuesday uh, for that here. So, but to me, uh, like I said here, what, what can you say here? You know, the first half, you know, ended up what zero, zero, yep. um, but it was entertaining. Should um, should have been, should have been one to nothing. Cause Nathan missed. The penalty. Oh God, that hurt. Yeah, was in that hurt so minute. bad. What? I thought that was that was in the fortieth, right? Yeah, it was in the first half, wasn't it? Mm, no, am I, I misremembering? Mis- okay, it was the forty-eighth. I guess it was right after half. See, I thought it was. But yeah, uh, they had a, they had time. opportunities in the first yeah. half. Yes, they did. But you know, it was. It, it, you could they, tell it was two heavyweight teams in my. Opinion. I will. I will go out on a limb. I will say San Antonio FC dominated pittsburgh yes. in that first half they dominated possession I think they, they dominated, dominated in chances i i do too i think they dominated that whole match as well i mean they got the penalty from the handball but that was created because of a relentless press and all kinds of pressure that led to that um the first goal that that nathan ended up scoring unfortunately skied that penalty um and if if i have video of it I watched it on slow-mo basically what happened was nathan was looking to go right the goalkeeper saw that uh, Nathan opened up his hips to go right. The goalkeeper jumps, and as he jumps, Nathan tries to switch. And when he switches, he's leaning back and he kicks it over. So it was. Uh, it, there, there is a discussion that we need to have here. Okay, um, what, real, real um, quick, real, real, yes, yeah, real quick. What I'll go with that's Nathan showing that he's still a teenager. Um, teenager, right? He, he, mm. I, I got to check his age. Yeah, I. I'm pretty sure he's a teenager from Brazil, but I'm going to fact check myself. Uh, go ahead. What's the thing that you want to talk about? Uh, Nathan is 22. Is he really 22? Okay. You can tell he's still young. <laughs> I, sh- I should have said that. You can tell he's still young because that, that's a young player's move right there. Instead of, because he still try to hit, he tr- still try to put his foot through it and put some power in it. But if you realize the goalkeeper is going the wrong way, calm down and just roll it into the other side. Uh, that's, you know, that's what the pros pros do. Um, and that's, uh, 
that's unfortunately what um, Nathan should have done. He didn't do, but hopefully he learns from that. And that's a penalty miss I want to see now that he learns from and not when we go into the playoffs. Knock on wood. So my whole issue with the penalties and, and, and true, we don't know the list of players that take the PKs, but it seems like if you look at the last number of PKs, it seems like whoever's drawn it has typically took the PK. And I know no, did- no, I, I I disagree. So the last few PKs that have have um, that we've taken, it has been Nathan that takes the first one. He does not take the second one. Um, if we get two in a game, which we have once, um, uh, twice, oh, we have gotten two penalties twice. Okay, then that's why he's not always the one that takes it. Uh, I'm sure PC. I know PC scored after him on a penalty. Uh, did PC take the second one as well? Um, uh, he might have been out. Um, yeah, he may have been out. But I know he hasn't took all of. I know he hasn't took all of them. Real, um, real, prof- real professional here, getting a player's number wrong and then not knowing PKs. You know, that's that's awesome. But I will say it's a big change from previous seasons. And by previous seasons, I mean all five previous seasons that we actually have more than one or two penalties. It would have been quite because uh, Nathan right. took. Yep. Nathan's took uh, four, converted three. Quayo yep. and PC have took one and converted yep. one each. Yep, that would make sense. And that and that's kind of what they do is that uh, Nathan will take the first one, and if there is a second one, it's somebody else. It's either going to be PC and obviously Quayo. Um, and that's also kind of smart because it switches up the feet because uh, Nathan's right-footed, and then PC and Quayo um, are left-footed. So that's kind of a smart thing from the coaching staff, but at the same rate, PC is the captain. So you'd kind of expect him to take mm-hmm. that. I would have liked to seen Dylan take it though, especially on the result mm-hmm. here, but when did you see the Instagram video today of him versus, uh, Epps and their little, uh, no, like soccer tennis thing. Yeah. Um, basically they're supposed to kick it at each other. And if it's close enough, you're supposed to play it and whoever messes up first loses and Epps. I mean, the ball kept going super wide of Epps and Dylan was arguing, uh, Hey, yeah, uh, you got to play that. If you can catch it, you can play it. It's like, dude, he caught it up here. What? <laughs> He's going to catch it up here. Is he going to bring his foot up there? Like, uh, like Bruce Lee or something. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no offense, Justin, but we'll, uh, I don't know. I, I haven't seen his PK, so maybe his uh, maybe his a sniper. So who knows? I just you know just uh, that was one of the things, and I know you see it every once in a while, and we probably have this discussion once in a while. And it always comes down to what the team list is. Don't get me wrong, and, and I think what you said make makes sense. Where um, where um, uh, Nathan gets the first, and then then it then it rotates from there. Yeah, um, it was just unfortunate um, that that he missed. However. Um, even with the missed, uh, he came back, got a goal in the 64th minute. Yes, he did a great header from a uh, cross from Jose. Yeah, that was a powerful header that the keeper had no chance on to get over there in time. And SAFC was closing out the game until unfortunately the, the 90th minute, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, a cross over to uh Dixon, and he was he was open, you know, it yeah. was the. the you know, nothing Matt could do about it. And, nope. Um, you know, he's, he's a star in the league and, and he did what stars do and, and finished it. That's and, correct. You know, they walked away one, one and 
Uh, I thought it was a fair result. I do think San Antonio was was was. I was, I disagree with the fair result. I think SAFC deserved a win. Uh, if you look at their XG, their expected goals, San Antonio FC had I believe two point three something mm-hmm. expected goals in that match, and Pittsburgh had point zero point three two. So but when you do not when you do not so convert that's on your chances thing. when you don't convert chances then you're then those you leave the door open then the expected goals remain expected and that's that would be the same pattern in the next match on Tuesday which is a real quick turnaround unfortunately um and you can kind of tell well, well let's go to the match now uh Austin well I will uh, say this yeah, and, and this was goes to Jonathan check and, and I think it's so true San Antonio FC's history, um, and even this year, if the game ended at 80, 85 minutes, they would probably be in first place. San Antonio FC is... <laughs> and the leaking has, of the late goals is... yeah. So their hashtag is hashtag defend210. They should also take the hashtag from Trump and hashtag stop the count because... They need it, no. and they would be a super successful team if they would uh, stop the count at eighty or eighty-five minutes. Yep. Yeah, it just uh, yep. to me, it's it's. And just this season, the Asokar goal, the ridiculous bicycle kick when they were down to mm-hmm. ten men, this one. Um, well, and, even if you go uh, to the Real Monarchs game, yeah, that's what um, I was going to say. The Real the Monarchs game when they it snatched didn't cost the tie. Them, but... No. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a couple others that I'm thinking of. I can't think of the opponent right now, but yeah, I mean, just this season, there's been like three or four results like that where the game <laughs> game would have ended ten minutes early. Hey, three points, and we're probably in first place in this division. But if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, it'd be Christmas every day, and that's not how soccer's played. And San Antonio FC needs to finish their chances, and they need to play out games. And so moving on to Tuesday, which was a real short turnaround, um, unfortunately for SAFC, I think, and, and I know it may not seem a whole lot, but I think having, and, you know, it's, it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think if they would have played on Wednesday, I think that game's played a little bit different because they get that extra day of rest. Correct. Um, also, also, if if we don't have to make up games, um, I think we have a more um, number one lineup, dare I say. Um, I think we had, and this is kind of where um, the late season additions kind of come in handy. Um, in the middle, you had PC and Abu start. Um, you didn't have Cam. Cam needs some rest. Cam's played almost every flipping minute. At the same time, as a back line, um, you get Schuberg and you get Tintor, um, who have both are pretty light on minutes. I will say right off the bat, uh, congratulations, Axel. Axel had a beautiful baby girl uh, last week. Um, congratulations, you and your family, man. That has nothing to do with soccer. That is your family, and that is uh, that's a number one priority right there. And gonna be happier for you, um, uh, especially. I know. I mean. Obviously, Harry's a father. I'm a father, and it's uh, it's not easy, and it's a flipping miracle, and it's amazing, and it's the best thing you can do with your life. Yes. Um, but let's get back to soccer. Something very unimportant. Um, you can definitely tell in this match that Axel 
and Taintor, A, had, have not had a lot of minutes this season, whether it's due to being on other team um, and whatever, how they utilize Taintor, and Axel being hurt kind of a bit and kind of being out for the last few and being in. And at the same time, the last time those two played with uh, played together on the same field during a game was the very March. first match of 2020. Yeah, March of so. 2020. It's been a while since they played together, and you can tell because they had some chemistry issues uh, for sure. Um, the thing that constantly kept happening, unfortunately, is, uh, and this is what Axel, Ax, this is what Axel does, and this is what I, this is what makes him effective in a back three, key back three. This time it was the pairing. Normally it's a back three. Back three, Axel's in the middle. And he will step out and he will step out and put pressure on whoever has the ball in zone 14. If you're in zone 14 is the zone that's right there, right in front of the, uh, right in front of the penalty box. If you will recall in past matches, um, the first time we played in New Mexico, um, the first time, uh, well, when we played Vegas, um, when we played, uh, Colorado Springs at Colorado Springs, um, a lot of those matches, the goal, uh, Real Monarchs, um, the goals that they scored mostly came from chances developed right there in zone 14. Uh, we just kind of left the space open. We didn't have a defender go up. The center back stayed back and the forward took advantage and either put it in a corner, found a pass and put it in. That's where a lot of chances against us were created. Um, that's why Axel steps out. That is a design thing is to step in the middle and interrupt that. Um, if you want to even bring in the USMNT, um, the goal that, um, crap, uh, was it, was it also, we played, uh, Honduras, the third game, right? Yes. Yeah. It was in Honduras. It was, uh, uh, can't think, can't think of the stadium right now. It's sand and I just drew a blank. Anyway, the goal that they scored, the first goal in that game was John Brooks stepping out to try to stop an attack but he completely missed and he whiffed and he left everything open behind him. That's kind of what happened with Axel in this. That works in a back three. Unfortunately, uh, it, it didn't work. Um, it didn't work in this it's, pairing. What is it? And uh, what, Estadio Olimpico Metropolitan. Oh, well, it's, it's the city it's in. Oh, the city. San Paul. Anyway. San Pedro. Um, St. Pedro, thank you. St. Pedro Sula. Yeah, yes. thank you. I could not think of St. Pedro Sula is what we call that. Anyway, um, in this match, Axel would step out, and when he'd step out, he'd leave space between. So Tinktor had to come over and cover. And when Tinktor came over and covered, Lima had to come over and cover, which left the entire left side of the field open. And that's where Torres was for Austin. And he just kept getting all kinds of service going his way, and he would put in crosses. And Austin converted um, a couple of those chances, and that was pretty much the game right there. Um, was just that that defensive pattern just kept playing itself over and over again to the point where Austin created six big chances in this match. Um, and the last time we played my birthday game in Austin, Austin created zero chances, and they just kept constantly trying to cross stuff in, and they couldn't get anything going. This time we left that open because of that same pattern. They kept crossing and they created six chances off of it. And that was pretty much the match right there. And I thought, I thought that because they came out with the same lineup. Um, yep. well, as, 
as far as like on the on the offensive part, yes, because they still had well, Nathan. No, I'm was talking about formation wise. Okay, yeah, formation. Formation wise, they came out not the, the same, same lineup, but, but the but, same formation. Yes. Yeah, formation. Sorry, same formation. Yeah. But the difference to me on, on this one here is Dylan came in instead of Emil Cuello, and okay. I think and, and I think that was against against Austin. Emil opened them up so much in that game. It was probably okay. his best game for you know for San Antonio FC. Mm-hmm. And no doubt there, yeah, that was a real good game by him, and I'll explain why. Continue. But and and this was nothing against Dylan because I thought Dylan Dylan had a had a good game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I just I just think that if you're if you're gonna do that four was it four three three is is what they lined up in mm-hmm. that. To, to, to me, like I said, you needed another fast guy in there um, to to kind of help set that up. Well, it was, it was a four four two they were in the same four four two they were in in the second half against Pittsburgh. That's what they played in was that four four two, and you had um, Nathan and Dylan up top. Now, um, but yeah, you are correct though that in the in the I'm going to call it my birthday match um, in Austin. That was a four four. Uh, that was a four three three, and that allowed Quayle to drop back. Now, this is why Quayle was so damn effective in that first match, and why we could not match the same. And it was a change in formation and a change in personnel and kind of philosophy. So, what that four three three allowed, and this is what Austin loves to do. This is what Austin has done since. Oh God. Um, we started. I can remember, yeah, pretty much uh, since uh, was Marcelo there. Yes, uh, he's their yeah. initial coach, right? Yeah. He, so well, up until this week, um, yeah, he yeah, been obviously, the only coach, yeah. and then yeah, he got promoted, and I think this was more to get Ryan Thompson, uh, right, some experience under his belt, and and right. Congratulations I, I, to him because I've heard nothing absolutely. but great things from him and, and his future is bright. He he made some very smart um adjustments and some very smart tactical um just wish it wasn't against uh, us. Yeah, I know he deployed some really smart tactical uh um well, I guess he deployed some very smart tactics. I'm trying to say tactical, but some smart tactics with that one that I was saying where Lemma had to keep coming in and he kept having Torres fill that spot to cross. What Austin has always done, they've always basically had a 4-2-4 in possession. They'll have a 4-2-4. And out of possession, it'll be a a flat 4-4-2. So they're very much a Burnley of the uh, USL Championship. That's what they like to play in. Um, Just just that flat 4-4-2, just gumming up the works. Uh, Same thing with Iceland. Uh, Iceland's uh, recent success in the last couple World Cups they play a flat 442 it's a very simple thing to play it's very defensive and hard to break down that's what they like to do but in that 424 there is a lot of space between the 4 and the 2 whenever austin is in possession that 4 will come up and on the far right will typically so the 4 the right side of that 4 it'll be torres and outside of torres will be omar gordon and they like to use omar gordon speed out there the 2 in the midfield will push up to help and uh, to help some passing, but there's a huge gap between the midfield two and their back four. And Austin always loves to keep their back four back. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what would happen in 
in the match, uh, the first match, my birthday match, is Quayle would occupy the space between the two midfielders. He'd go on the other side of them, and he'd be in between the two midfielders and the four in the back. And he would just sit there, and we would pass it to him, and he would get the passes, and he would turn and run. And that's why he was so effective. That's why he had so many breaks. That's why he had so many assists. And that, even with that, Quayle was still a step to a half step too slow. Right. And he could have created, we could have had 10 goals in that match. Austin never adjusted to what we were doing. It was obvious what Quayle was doing. They never had anybody guard him uh, or anybody mark him. Um, we, I mean, we could have had a lot. It's just Quayle was a little slow. But once again, it was his best match uh, in an SAFC uniform. Fast forward to Tuesday. We didn't have that person. We had Nathan go up as a forward. We also had Dylan go up as a forward. And you had Jose and uh, Epps on the wings would kind of press. And then they would try to dribble inside in a, in a diagonal dribble. And that was pretty much it. We never had anybody occupy that space. Um, at the same time, that is a space that Cam Lindley may have been able to occupy. But we had Abu and we had PC Start, who are two defensive midfielders. And they had their hands full with that Austin attack, especially with the back line having issues. That pulled Abu and PC back, and we couldn't have anybody in that middle. And that was pretty much it. Despite that, those issues, despite the formation just not really playing to our hands like it did on my birthday match, we still created a lot of chances. And we should have put those chances away. And at minimum, we should have tied that game. Yeah, we should have walked uh, but, to tie. Yeah. But this is another, This is it's the same thing as a Pittsburgh game. And it's the same thing that happened in the first third of the season where everybody will, I don't want to say everybody, but a large portion of this fan base, Harry, was panicking that this team may not be good enough. And I said, everything, everything comes back. Everything averages out. We're creating a lot of chances, and there was a lot of talk about Allen and uh, how, or I'm sorry, Coach Marcina and how, you know, is he the right coach? I'm still sticking with my guns. Uh, yes, uh, we well, created. Think he's still the right coach. We've yeah. yeah, we've well, that wasn't the talk a couple months ago, but I'm still sticking to my guns. Yes, he is. We've created a lot of chances. He has very smart uh, tactics that he deploys, very smart game plans. Just sometimes the ball doesn't roll like you want to. And this is just one of those matches where the ball didn't roll like you wanted to. Um, we should have won against Pittsburgh. Uh, should have won against Austin, but we played kind of like doo-doo against Austin. So good on them for those three points. They deserve that. Um, and good on Pittsburgh for not quitting. But that's just kind of how soccer goes. Uh, but to get one point out of those two games, that kind of sucks. Yep. I will say this. The Austin match was a trap game. It was. It was, um, yeah. That that uh, if you remember last week when we were talking, uh, the midweek match against Real Monarchs, we we're like, yeah, this is a trap game. This isn't going to work out for us. Uh, then it ended up being that way. But this was that trap game. It was, was coming off of game. coming off of two days rest, basically. And they had yeah. been off a week plus, so they Correct. were well rested, hundred percent. And you could tell. Did you see how fast Omar was running? Yes. Jesus, dude. <laughs> Good God, Omar, and, give us a and, break, man. And I'll say this, and, and I don't think a lot of people realize this. Jose was staying with him step for step, for step uh, on yeah. a couple of those <laughs> chances where, where Omar yeah. was busting down. Yeah, Jose's got some got some wheels now. Yeah, he does. I, I don't think Jose had a good game that game. No. And, and I think 
I think the missing piece was we didn't have Quayle in the middle. And, and that's, yep. that's we didn't have a 10 in the middle, which we don't have a 10 anymore. But like I said, I think the whole point, I, I think what was the what was supposed to happen was I was supposed to be PC. That's why I had yeah. PC and you had a, a boo. I think PC was supposed to be forward and we we're supposed to play more like a, a what Rafa was saying in a, a 442 diamond. Mm -hmm. I think PC was supposed to be the tip of that diamond and he was supposed to be in that space. Um, unfortunately, just, that didn't work out because he had to get pulled back because he had to help with the back line because the back line was having all kinds of issues. So, and to me, this reminded me of what kind of that second game against or that first game against Real Monarchs, yeah, where all the goals were scored basically in a five minute span in Correct. this entire game. You know, Austin yep. scored on, on the great, uh, you know, on, on a great header. SAFC came back and equalized, and, like and the bull got a minute later. right at the end. Yeah, a minute was, later, yeah, you know, right before the half. And yep. Outside of that, it was it was. I won't say SAFC was the better team, because I think Austin played really well. You know, you know, you know, especially for you know for Coach Thompson with that being his first game. Yep. Um, you you could tell, you could tell they had a little bit extra pep in their step. You know, and and they wanted to play. You know, play for him. And and you know when they got the result, it it, it was awesome to see. You know, even as a as a SAFC fan, you could tell everybody was excited for him. And I think even. Oh, yeah. Uh, coach Marcina went over, you know, sometimes there's the, you know, grumpy, uh, handshakes. This one, you know, <laughs> this, this one, it was not, you know, it was not an El Paso ending where, you know, where, you know, everybody was, you know, you know, Hey, it was a good game. But to me, the two that, you know, I was speaking with David, you know, the owner of the Syntex Hornets, uh, you know, before the match and he's like, SAFC should, should just clean them. I was like, no, uh, you know, I, I just had that uneasy feeling that this was that game that, yeah, that it was that perfect storm for for Austin to, to the, kind of step up, and and they did, and, and credit to Austin. Match, yeah. So before we get to the preview of Real Monarchs here, and then kind of touch base on on the uh, <clears throat> on the U.S. Men's National Team and where they're at here, Oof. and we'll discuss uh, the Mexican National Team with Rafa on Sunday because uh, mm -hmm. they seem to be in a little bit better position. But yep. just where we're at here uh, in USL Championship. Um, in the Atlantic, uh, the top four, uh, the Rowdies, uh, Riverhounds are in second at 44. Uh, Miami's close, closely behind at 38. And Charlotte's uh, this week's in the fourth slot uh, for that here. In the Central, uh, Louisville City, still hot. Still, it's tight. Only a four-point gap between them and Birmingham Legion. Tulsa's on a roll recently uh, with uh, five straight wins. Man, how about Tulsa uh, turning it around? They... Tulsa's <sighs> and and OKC. Good lord, yeah. OKC's there. Um, don't sleep on Atlanta. Indy eleven for sure. Um, I don't know what the yeah, hell. Indy eleven is the uh, San Diego loyal of the uh, yeah, Central. San Diego sure. loyal's in second, but the Fair. team to kind of look out for, and they are on SAFC schedule, is Memphis. They've they're about two three oh, yeah. games back. Uh, and, of everybody else, and they're only about four points, and then Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, and former SAFC player Kyle Murphy is on flipping fire for Memphis. So yeah, that that could be a match where we run into him at just the wrong time. Uh, out in the mountain, uh, El Paso uh, on a two-game winless streak. Uh, and I know that's big news here, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know they're, they're, they've only got a seven-point gap, but two games in hand. Switchbacks. 
um, play a, a huge match this week with RGV. Um, SAFC is at Real Monarchs, which we're going to talk. And Bold and United kick off uh, probably in about 10 minutes yep. uh, for right here. So that'll, you know, if you, if you're, uh, once we're done, hopefully you'll turn into that because that uh, for SAFC uh, could have huge implications. And then out in the Pacific, uh, Rising, Loyal, Orange County, Tacoma. Um, I think those are going to be your four. Sacramento, just, I don't, they're just too inconsistent. Uh, yeah, let, to, let, let me change that. Indy 11 is the Sac Republic of the Central. There yes. we go. That's it. And San Diego Loyal is the FC Tulsa of the Pacific. There we go. Yeah, just, you we never got know. It. You know we got it. We, 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 we so. did it, guys. We did it. Congrats. Uh, the team to kind of look out for to see, uh, I guess you could say, is, is the Roots. Um, but I still I still think they dug themselves too deep of a hole to, to come back for that here. They Copa dug, themselves, Tejas, they dug uh, themselves too deep of a turf. <laughs> San Antonio, Rio Grande. That was bad. I'm sorry. Uh, we're done. I uh, hate to say it. It's between El Paso and, and Austin. Austin has to win out. And even then, I don't think they have a shot. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, Copateos. It's been decided, but uh, with the bold loss uh, or with SAFC's loss to the bold, mm-hmm. um, it has officially eliminated them from Copateos. And thank you, Aaron, uh, for your charts on this. It makes it very easy to be able to do this. So taking kind of a snapshot here of the playoff structures, if this was to happen here as of this week, uh, in the mountain, you got uh, Tacoma going to El Paso. We would be actually going to San Diego, so that would be very interesting, and that might be something to where I could talk my wife into going. I was going to uh, say. Depending <laughs> on what it is. She likes San Diego. Fair, we, fair play pod, two balls on mic. I have never been to California. Uh, my wife loves California, so we'll see. If that worked out, I would not object. The other thing I kind of like about this, and I know you're either on El Paso side or or Rising side, um, I think I'd rather be on El Paso side than than on Phoenix side. But uh, um, 2-3 would be switchbacks, OC, and a rematch uh, from earlier this year year where OC uh, has defeated uh, the switchbacks already. And hanging on to fourth is RGV. Um, They'd head out to the land of the Rising Sun um, where they uh, lost already this year. Out in the east, uh, land of the rising sun. They're not going to Japan, man. Rising, (laughs) come on, sun, hot. Roll. Uh, So out 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 in the east, uh, (laughs) energy and rowdies about are the greens. Uh, To me, an interesting and tasty one would be that two-three match with the Birmingham Uh, Legion and Miami FC. I would have to agree. The fighting, the Flemings against the fighting Forbes is yeah, I like it. Um, and like then it. the two, three, uh, Pittsburgh, Tulsa, that would be very interesting. And then, uh, Charlotte, um, which keeps bringing in, um, Charlotte FC or was it, is it Charlotte FC? I think, well, I'm assuming what, Charlotte FC. Yeah, whatever the MLS, MLS team, team is going to be. Yeah. Uh, whatever playoffs, generic uh, name would, would be heading to Louisville city. But I, I think it's like Charlotte city FC. <laughs> Yeah, Charlotte Queens. Uh-huh. Something, I don't know. It's it's god awful. Bad, and bad. They have the worst ticket prices. You know, uh, going out there. Uh, yeah. For that um, supporter Shield for the best record. Uh, you know, and this is important for home field right now. Rowdies uh, would be in first. Uh, rising, uh, surprisingly, El Paso's in fifth. And there's those. There's a clear break, and really, really at this point, the West is going to have to. 
They're in fifth with two games in hand, and right. if they win those two games, they could be first be again. First. Yeah. But right now they're fifth. I was kind of surprised about that. But and then the wooden spoon, and the reason why this is important, Ooh. Loudoun United, who tied RGV. Thank you. Um, and then the next two <laughs> opponents of SAFC, Real Marks this week, or pardon me, uh, tomorrow, and then on Wednesday against um, the New York Red Bulls. So, this week here, kind of looking at a preview here, and like I said, we'll kind of touch base on uh, the Real Monarchs side, which is uh, the uh, uh, Charlie Adams show, in my opinion. Um, must win. I mean, <laughs> I, I I said from the beginning, I did not come up with a point total, but I definitely said that this stretch of seven games in 21 days is going to be the make or break stretch for SAFC. Um, if we get, if we somehow manage to get 14 points from these seven matches, that would, that would be immense. And we would like average two points per game. So that'd be 14 points. As of right now, we have seven in four games. Is that correct? So which one if, were we starting out with the El Paso? Uh, just the first match back from COVID, wasn't it? Which would have been El Paso, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we have seven points out of four matches. And if we get seven in the next three, so if we, like, we've got to win two. I think if we win against Sac Republic and we win against Real Monarchs and we draw against New York Red Bulls two, I think we are in very, very, very good position, um, mm. and I think that would be ideal. Do I think that's what's going to happen? I think we win one of these matches and we draw the other two. Uh, I think we're going to get, I think we're going to get four or five points out of these three matches, which is not a break. That is not a break of the season. That still puts us in pretty dang decent position to a qualify for the playoffs and b we should still be in that position for second place depending on if colorado springs stays cold like they are right now but we'll see so for for me so so the switch so real monarchs played on wednesday away lost 2-0 to the switchbacks who um lost one of their star forwards because uh he decided to throw a ball at a at a ball boy yeah, that's uh, uh for that, but uh, Galena, yeah, what are you Galena. doing, Galena? Ball boy was delaying the game a little bit, but you still, still can't do that. You, you, can't, you can't do that, you can't, you, you can't do that. I mean, there's there's a lot of things you don't do. Uh, that's uh, almost number one right there is uh, abusing children on the field. <laughs> yeah, no, just no, uh, awful, just, just it, awful. And I'm sure was... he's gonna get a three or Three to five match ban for no, that. No, you got two. Two? That's two. You got so you two get, and a fine. You get three for you get three for swinging on a dude. You get two for child abuse. <laughs> cool. Oh, they, they, they just you know, but Real Monarchs at home. Um, uh, three wins, two draws, uh, five losses. 
negative five goal difference, uh, averaged about 1.1 points at home compared to on the road where they average uh, 0.45. San Antonio FC on the road, uh, three wins, three draws, three uh, four losses, negative one goal difference, uh, you know, averaging 1.2 points on the road. So to me, and I know Salt Lake, you know, Real Monarchs is a tough place to play. But you gotta have it. They got an extra day rest now. Yeah. They gotta travel, and and that's why extra I said was, day, yeah, four days rest, extra day. But at least the, the center back should be rested. Uh, hopefully, Cam got a good rest um, from. Well, Ford did. He made the trip to Austin, but he didn't play. He wasn't even right. eighteen, which right. Was he was just in street clothes, which is I, that's fine. Like I disagree you, with that, but I didn't. I you know, I, I think I didn't you, want to go into that tonight. But I so. A big part of traveling in general is team building. Yes. Florida is new to the team. He gets to be around the team more. You build that chemistry. And even if you don't play, you're still there. You're still there for all the team activities. That's a pretty big thing. Um, and that's. I know this is crazy to say, but if Ford starts and Schulberg doesn't start, I think we have different results personally. And that's I, I do too. And that's because. Taintor and Ford have played together and they know what to expect and they probably can communicate a little bit better. Um, and, but, you know, like I said here, Axel is a captain of the team. Yeah. Um, yes. And Axel's and really good at what he does. He just, it was a communication thing. It's just like John Brooks is really yes. effing good. <laughs> just bad communication. And, and that was the big problem with the back line for the U S in the first half against um, Honduras was, no communication. Uh, James Sands just had a shocker of a game. Uh, Mark McKenzie didn't really help John Brooks out too much when John Brooks came out. John Brooks didn't help himself out when he came out. And I mean, Miles Robinson is Miles Robinson. He was fine. But at the same time, when you have one center back out of three really performing well, and you have a, a central defend, uh, defensive central midfielder not doing too well, it's just bad. And that was it. And you had Tyler Adams trying to do too much from the right wing position to try to help out the defense and left his spot alone for that cross to come in. It was just kind of a uh, just when one thing went wrong, everything went wrong. And it was the first half of the USMNT and Honduras match was very much just like the first half of the uh, the bold match uh, for SAFC. Just the back line just didn't work well together. Breaking so. news, uh, the injury report, um, uh, it, Preston just uh, sent it out, same as last week, uh, Patino, uh, Deplane, Gleadal, and Kamiri. Um, Patino's out, the other three are questionable uh, for here, but I'm assuming if they're on this on this one here, they're most likely still out. So Probably. Yeah. Um, for here, but to me, you know, my, before we get into the U.S. men's national team, um uh, San Antonio is in probably one of their one of the toughest stretches that you can that you can be in. Yep. They play six out of seven away in the you know from uh, starting on September seventh to October fourth. Uh, well, I don't think that's right here because uh, it says El Paso there. Hold on, what day do they play El Paso? I think that's a Wednesday match, right? I think so. The site that I had had it as a research on the fly, totally professional. Let's see. 
But anyway, six out of seven on the road. So yep. this this is going to be a stretch, and they go from all four time zones uh, to be able to do it, to be able to do it here. So when they get back, the good news, they have five out of the last um, – there are four out of the last five at home. Only trips is is away against against New Mexico. Yeah, when five of look- five of six. Well, if you include the Austin match, then you have seven of eight on the uh, next matches on the road. Right, which well, I do because technically it's it is away. Correct, and then you have like a flurry of home games to finish out the season. Yeah. So, um, to me, like I said here, this stretch that yeah, it's Wednesday, October sixth. Um. And then they come home and face uh, Memphis on on that Sunday, um, and then they get an actual uh, break uh, with Memphis Tulsa, um, which I don't think the East is as good. And then away um, against uh, New Mexico, and then home against Austin and Colorado. And that Colorado Springs match is shaping up to be a huge, huge match. But so just keep you know. Hopefully there'll be some watch parties where we can kind of get together. Um, in a safe, uh, open area, hopefully, uh, to be able to do it. Um, if not social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, encourage the boys, uh, you know, for that here. So that way, um, you know, they can still fill our presence, uh, for that here. U S men's national team here. Um, they were 45 minutes away from <laughs> yikes. Yeah. I think yikes is the correct, uh, correct word. Uh, it just, and that was one of the, you know, listening to, you know, like Scruff uh, or not Scruff. Scuffed. Uh, Scuff. Um, Shout out to the boys at Scuffed. Total Soccer Show. Yep. Pretty much any show, you know, you know, the XM, you know, the XM, you know, morning shows that they have. The Extra Time Boys. Yep. It wasn't looking good. <laughs> that no, it time. wasn't. <laughs> it was a downer. And that was it, coming off of. <sighs> two what two draws uh yep. before and the first draw it was like hey you know you get you get a draw first away. draw was away in el salvador yeah, first time yeah i was okay or, with it they didn't play exactly. four but you could that's conky calf yeah tie in canada that was a separate at home discussion. bad at home bad that wasn't good awful you didn't play peppy um and then there were some comments like, well, we got to get, we got to find the right time from I'm like, what was your right time? You know, <laughs> we're not scoring. To quote, to quote the great Rage Against the Machine, uh, what uh, better place than here? What better time than now? Yeah. Um, but, and obviously, obviously the unfortunate, the real unfortunate events that happened um, were, so the, the El Salvador been, match, yeah. before the El Salvador match, uh, Christian Pulisic could not play. He's still dealing with a muscle issue, uh, and he wasn't completely fit because he was just coming off of having COVID. And Zach Steffen tested positive for COVID, so he had to stay back. Um, so he could not go either, which didn't end up really hurting us too bad because Matt Turner was a damn beast between the posts. That guy had a wonderful, if I mean, by far the best player of um, – mm-hmm any USMNT player in the, in those three um, world qualifying matches. I was, I was impressed. I, I was, I was thinking we were going to miss something by not having Horvath, which obviously Horvath is off the, uh, did not make the trip over because he has a new team and he needs to get settled with them. Um, but I thought not having Steph in there was, we we're really going to have 
uh, issues. Matt Turner, he rocked it. He's awesome. Um, at the same rate, um, not having Pulisic there, you could tell that kind of hurt us with some creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had uh, what ended up happening? What, what did we have? Brendan Aronson in the middle, and he just kept getting beat up like a teenage Christian Pulisic used to get beat up in Concacaf. And but that was a lesson that um, Greg Berhalter didn't really learn. Um, the last time that we went through this World Cup qualifying cycle, uh, it was, uh, um, um, good Lord, um, Bruce Arena. Before Bruce Arena, it was, uh, help me out, German player, played for Tottenham. Why am I blanking on his name? Good Julian. Um, oh, my not God. Klinsman, right? You're not Thank you, Klinsman. Jürgen Klinsman, yes. I was like, who is he trying to go for? Yes. <laughs> good Julian, that's the... Men in Blazers, how they make fun. Anyway, um, no, but it that that was a lesson that uh, Klinsman needed to learn was if you have your if your best player is a a slight teenager or young player, they're going to get beat up in Concacaf. That's what Concacaf is, and that's what happened to Aronson. He couldn't get anything started because he was just getting beat up. And once again in Concacaf, you see this all the time. The ref, oh, where to put my cards? And I left them in the locker room. It's fine. Nothing bad's going to happen. So. And that's exactly what happened. He kept getting beat up. You had Gio out on the outside who can get isolated out there and wasn't really effective and took a couple took a couple knocks. And so he, I know he's going to be out for a week or two because of those bad tackles. Um, so that's kind of what – right? Yeah, he's out with the muscle injury as well. He had an ankle injury, uh, a bad foul. Um but yeah, that the, but that was the Canada game. Um, but that's mm-hmm. kind of what happened in that Saint, uh, El Salvador game. Was um, you know it was just kind of due to personnel that was available. And uh, Austin in New Mexico just kicked off right now. By the way, um, the personnel available. I get it. You still should not should had no business giving up that one goal. But at the same rate, it is what it is. Against Canada, bad, just bad. Um, you had Christian Pulisic. By obviously, obviously the best player on the pitch, um, but nobody else to play off of. Um, we, you kind of see that every once in a while with Jose, where Jose just dribbles through people, but there's no one to really pass it off to or to combine with, and that's kind of what happened in that match. Um, and you you basically had Fonzie, well, sorry, Alfonso Davies, um, just completely burn the entire right side of our defense with Yedlin and and uh whoever the center back was out there I can't think of right now but I mean the dude the dude's on the FC Bay they call him the roadrunner the FC Bay roadrunner because he's so damn fast and that that's what he does he runs behind defenses and I mean that's that's what that guy does um and we let that happen to us um and that's how they got their goal so you had in the uh, for Canada you had uh, Sergio Dest you had Miles Robinson Brooks yep. um, and then uh, Anton Robinson Anthony Robinson Anthony Anthony, Anthony Robinson Anthony yep. Robinson and yeah then you had Acosta Adams uh, Sebastian Lejet that's right then, we were in a four three three so yeah it was a back four so it was basically just uh, Fonzie just burnt Yedlin um, and. Yeah. Uh, on the right side would have been Miles Robinson as well, but well, that's pretty much just originally. It was oh, that's right. That, well, well, came yeah. Des came, came off with an injury. He's injured as well. Um, Des came off, um, 
and they put Yedlin in, and that's yes. when the that's when that tying goal happened. Uh, was um, Fonzie getting behind Yedlin, which you could tell Yedlin doesn't he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes for uh, uh, Galatasaray because he looked a little rusty, but he looked I think he looked real good um, in that uh, that final match against Honduras. I thought he looked like he always has. He looked like the dependable quick DeAndre Edlin. I think he just needed to get some game speed. But that that first half was tumultuous in that um, Honduras game. That was the worst half that we played out of the all six halves that we played, for sure. And it looked desperately bad. And I'll say this. Going into Honduras with everything that was going on with the U.S. men's national team with Weston Kinney, the results, um, the first half. That was a thing I didn't mention, but I'm trying not to because it's I'm just, just, just mentioning that's just it. The only reason why I'm mentioning it yeah. is because it needs to be and, mentioned. And, and, it and needs I, to be mentioned, but it's embarrassing. Yeah. And I submitted this to, to uh Dan Vaughn, who, who runs uh, the protagonist soccer and, and you know along those lines here, I was like, is the U.S. men's national team cursed? Because pretty much all the injuries, there goes Omar. Oh. poor decisions by uh, you know by Greg Berhalter, and it just it was it was ugly. Uh, yep. You know if, if if I think if you if. I think if US loses that match, I think they're I think they're ripe for a coaching change. Um and I, I just I just and I know that sucks to say cuz the US hasn't technically lost in 12 matches, right? Pretty much. They haven't lost this summer. Right. And you know, one loss probably shouldn't shouldn't get you fired. But it was especially just when, was especially when, three of your best players—well, four, five of your best players—aren't available, right. and one has to go home because of a disciplinary problem. Yeah, I don't know about that, but, but I'll, that it would. Yeah. you can't get what say that that wasn't that wasn't. Yeah, when everybody's talking about it, when everybody, you know, there there was whispers. Now, whether they would have pulled it or not, I don't think they would have. But right. it would have been up for a heavy, you know, you know, for. A heated discussion. Um, you know, we'll just put that nicely right. as far as as far as that. But second half, you know, coach made some changes. Um, what was your thoughts on the second half? And and I guess to me, it. it and I know people have been trying to get Peppy on the on the pitch. <laughs> no way. And for a lot of different reasons, but I, I do think it is important because he, he is an, a Mexican American that did choose to play for Mexico or pardon me for the United States over right. Mexico. And I think for the United States, if they could have him take off and be really successful to me, I think that can kind of open the door where maybe, you know, instead of having, um, like Jonathan Gonzalez switch having the, having players the say, hey, Mexico for, yeah. is the better option. And, and this is nothing this is nothing against Mexico because they're a great team and and correct um, like David Ochoa, I think that was the right decision for him, you know, just yep. because it gives him the opportunity for you know for playing time. But it to me, if you could have a successful attacking player that that you know, let's be honest, you know, will 
bring major dollars for marketing and stuff like that would be a huge lift, you know, for the United States men's, you know, United States soccer in general. Um, obviously, the men's national team would benefit on that. But your thoughts on the second half and kind of what changed and and the the future of, of Pepe and and you know, I wish I was FC Dallas because they're going to be making a lot of money. Most likely uh, yeah, this, uh, this like 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 they haven't made a lot of money with their transfers <laughs> of like Taylor Booth and um, uh, Che. Well, the impending or the pending uh, transfer of Che. Anyway, um, I'm going to steal some info that I heard on Total Soccer Show because that's my uh, that that's the show that I, that I that's enjoy. That's your outlet. Oh, for sure. Um, is that a bug flying in my coffee? What the? I mean, that's that's great luck <laughs> there. Um, just straight up, just like flew right into it. Well, I mean, to be fair, if I was a bug, that's probably what I'd do. I'd just be like, oh, that's black coffee flying in it. Um, but from uh from the Greg Berhalter presser afterwards he pretty much said I got it wrong um and I'll conclude it with with how I feel and it kind of reflects how everybody else feels about it but uh duh um but that's what Berhalter said he said we had gone to the three back before we just hadn't necessarily done it uh with that group um and th that's one thing that is a pro and con of Burhalter is that he will experiment. Uh, if you remember that kind of first and second match against Mexico, uh, where we kind of got played off the field uh, yep. the entire time, you know, he had that press conference and everybody's out for blood. Like, what are you thinking? What was your thought process? Just questioning him. And he's like, I'm experimenting. These are my first two matches against Mexico. I got to learn how they play. I got to learn how they react to things. And based on those reactions, that's uh, that's how. Oh yeah, that's a foul. Um, that's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna play. I need to see how they're gonna react to certain things, so I have a better idea of what they're gonna do. Um, and to be fair, Berhalter beat Mexico twice in mm -hmm. tournament finals this summer, probably because he learned something, uh, and his coaching staff learned a couple things from those poor results a couple years ago. So shrug like he's learning and he's not afraid to experiment problem is is it really the right time to experiment when you're in the That's middle the of issue. world cup qualifying like well you're at the start you're not not the middle yet but you're at the start of it right but, but at this exactly exactly and you would rather those mistakes happen in the beginning you'd rather those mistakes happen in the beginning of qualifying than actually at the world cup i'll say that but um probably the most important thing about it is he he saw the mistakes. He saw that he didn't put the right lineup on. Um, he owned up to it. He didn't do a cleansman where it was just about the players. <laughs> it was, no, yeah, I got it wrong. Uh, I put the players in a bad position. Uh, they did well, but we, you know, I realized what I did. I put them in a more comfortable position, and I came up, you know, we came up with some, um, some different, you know, different game plans um and and i mean if you want to talk about a turnaround uh that was a huge turnaround um and it was just kind of getting the players in a more familiar um uh, i guess formation it wasn't even that it was really he put them in a back three john brooks has never played well in a back three really um, and he had two new guys around him once again i mean james sands just had a shocker of a match the entire time, even when he came back as a center back, 
he still looked shaky and he did not look good. He looked great in the Champions League. Champ, champ, champions? No, not Champions League. The uh, uh, CONCACAF Nations League. That's it. That was the second one. Um, or was it the Gold Cup? Like, no, it was a Gold Cup. It was a yeah. Gold Cup, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, looked, he looked really good in the Gold Cup. Um, I, I'm sorry. I forget all of these uh, tournament wins that we have against Mexico. It's it's kind of <laughs> tough to keep up with them. But um, no, the Gold Cup. He looked really good in the Gold Cup, and he deserved his spot there um, for the uh, for World Cup qualifying. He just looked lost. He looked like a lost puppy. He. He was, you could tell he was always a step slow because he was trying to think about where he was and nothing was natural. And he was just kind of, he was in his head. It was a quicksand game for him and it was in his head. He made one mistake and that mistake just turned into a few in a row. Um, but at the same rate, like I said, Berhalter made those changes. He took out Sargent, he took out Brooks. Uh, and a big reason why he took out Brooks was because he had a very similar. I'm going to tie it back to SAFC. He had a very similar uh, mistake that uh, Axel Schuberg kind of kept having um, in that bold match. Um, so he took off Brooks. He took off Sargent, who just had, again, a bad match. And Sargent's the one who gave up the ball that led to that first goal by Honduras. So, um, yeah, it just... It didn't, it didn't work out too well um, that first half, but the second half with the subs and the formation changed. Worked like gangbusters, man. Um, and Anthony Robinson, I will say the revelations mm -hmm. from these three matches, uh, good Lord. Um, revelations from these three matches in World Cup qualifying were Matt Turner. Um, I feel much more confident with him back there. Do you like, think he's the number one? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but he's a really good either backup or a number two. Um, we'll see. I mean, he and uh, uh, Ethan. Some are pushing for him to be the number one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because Zach um, hasn't played, you know, to, to be fair, he hasn't. Zach hasn't played, but Zach. But he plays play. at a much higher league and he, higher well, talent, that I understand. Yeah. It's that, but Zach is more used to playing it out of the back. And if you and a lot of yes, the um, a lot of the game plans that Berhalter likes to deploy, you need a goalkeeper that can play it out of the back and is very comfortable doing so. Um, Turner isn't so much one that plays with the ball at his feet; he is more a shot stopper, and he really showed that. And that's what we needed, ironically. That's what we really needed in these matches. Um, but if you're kind of going and you're trying to play through your goalkeeper, kind of as a third center back almost. It's Zach Steffen every day, all day. Because um, that dude will ping a ball 60, 70 yards and put it right on someone's foot. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't really teach that. So, And that's what he does. Um, but, so, before... uh, but anyway, so just to finish up real quick, Turner was a, um, a revelation. Uh, Miles Robinson looked really good um, again. Mm -hmm. um, Anthony Robinson as a left back, th th those were his – that that was the best he's looked in a U.S. jersey, the most comfortable, and obviously he scored a goal, but he shut down a lot, and he got up high and he gave really good service. Like that was what he does for Fulham, and he did it for the U.S. Finally, and it, that was great. Um, Serginio Dest did not have a good no um, three matches. Dest and Sergeant, I'm not yeah. sure which one. Dest, was more Sergeant, and Brooks, all three did not have. They're world-class world class players. They just they just didn't look good, man. Did not look good. And But I think the player that had the worst three matches of anybody 
um, I dare say in CONCACAF, uh, was obviously Weston McKinney. That's just, that's unacceptable, man. That's just completely unacceptable. But he's young. He's got to learn. That's kind of he'll his first. Back. That's his, he'll No, he'll be back. That's his first he strike. Be, well, he better be back. Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. No, he'll be back. It, but it, I think Berhalter made the smart call by sending him home, yep. sending him home, sending him back to Italy and just being like, send him home. Try again. Try again. You're, you're, you know, we're not going to risk this entire campaign for everyone to get COVID because you had a moment of selfishness. Can't do that, dude. You can't do that. Just try again. We'll try again later. And if you do that again, you know, you're done. And I'm sure that was the talk. Like, you got to grow up, dude. You got to think about where you're at. You got to think about how important this is. It's not about you. It's not about you and some random bachelor party or bachelorette party that invited you. It's it's not about that, dude. We're this is big shit. Like, put your big boy pants on. We're doing it. So Take the ten days off and just relax, yeah. and then you think do of, what you want. Yeah. Uh, what's the What's the line from um, Skyfall, the Bond movie? Think on your sins. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much it. Go sit down. Think about what you've done. We'll talk later. Yep. So U.S. I think they have another uh, three match set uh, in a week, which is just crazy to me. But understand, you have to be able to do it. Um, they get Jamaica on uh, October seventh at rough. Panama, which is tough because Panama's been yep. kind of the surprise of it. And then home against Costa Rica. So hopefully by that point they can do it. And then you know in November. Uh, they get Mexico here uh, on the on November twelfth, and then away against Jamaica. So uh, Jamaica's, the, I think, so far has um, been the worst team in this level um, of Concacaf qualifying. I, I think they've. I don't think they're the worst team. I think they just had the worst results. Uh, they really went toe to toe with Mexico, Mexico. and Mexico. But Mexico, and I'm going to get into this with Rafa. Mexico yeah. hasn't looked good either. No, they've they got the not. results. They've, shaky. they've gotten the results, but they've looked shaky. But exactly, they haven't looked good. Exactly, they are the. Mm, in the beginning of the season, they were the uh, uh, New Mexico uh, United. Mm-hmm. They were getting the results. They didn't look good doing it, but yeah, they got the results. And, and then that's it, what's important at this stage. Is, is yeah, that's it. Those results. Up. Get get those points exactly. You can't you can't mm, win. You can't qualify in the beginning. But you could definitely lose qualification yes. in the beginning, and that's why it's important. Exactly. And it, and I do think it's extremely important for the United States to build up as many points as they can. Yep. Because March that March uh, the last three matches. At Mexico, home against Panama, at Costa Rica. To me, you don't want to have to depend on having to get a lot of points from, you know, from you know from you know from that you know from that set of, of games there because, uh, from my knowledge, I don't think we've ever won in Mexico in Concacaf qualifying. Um, I know we've got a tie or two uh, around there. Costa Rica has always played the United States tough um, away. And like I said here, we'll, we'll see if Panama still has the staying power, you know, from it here, but, you know, and that's a home match, but those, those two out of three away, you know, in March, um, which is crazy to say is what, six months away uh, that we're looking at this here. That's stupid, uh, right? You know, dumb, dumb. Yeah. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, you know, I'll go ahead and start out with my final thoughts and then I'll let you, uh, tomorrow's nine 11. Um, it's one of those days that, you know, as soon as like my grandfather was Pearl Harbor, I'll always remember where and what and exactly what I was doing at that time. Uh, this is the 20 year anniversary of it. Um, 
so you know like i said here take a couple of minutes you know think about you know the lives lost um at you know on 9 11 um and unfortunately the lives lost with the reaction of 9-11 that uh and the fallout yeah yep, that you know, in, in finally this, not only u.s ended. lives but just lives in general mm -hmm. over in the middle east uh for that here so just you know tomorrow will be a hard day um you know especially if if you know somebody from the northeast uh from there here it's it's you know having some family members you know that live in the northeast it's you know it's um you know it's just 9 11 is always a tough day for them here so uh, thoughts and prayers and, and like i said here um if you're able to go out to a memorial or you know just you know stop and give uh, a few minutes of your time to you know think about those that uh, unfortunately didn't make it home from work that day yeah that was uh, as a great uh, franklin delano roosevelt said a date that will live in infamy um and it and that's and it's it's really weird reflecting on it um like i'm, I'm 34 now I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember that and to have, you know, those memories of where I was. I was in I was in freshman woodshop um, in, uh, in high school and they came over the intercom and it was basically uh, if your parent, your parents may uh, pick you up. Um, so contact your parents. And it was like, why? What, what's going on? And then you kind of realize, oh, our nation's being attacked and this is the first time we're being attacked and. 70 years and it's it's happening right now 60 years let me do my math better um on on our soil um and it was uh it, it's unsettling but at the same rate that was the first time we were attacked on our soil in 60 years now the 20 years that went by uh that um followed. preceded but yeah uh followed that exactly plus many more decades before that that's what the Afghani people went through. That's what the Iraqi people have gone through is constantly having their homeland bombarded. Um, yeah, way to go, Harry. Uh, Austin almost scored there. I know. I saw. <laughs> way, way to ruin my, uh, ruin my <laughs> heartfelt speech. Sorry, but, it was right there. I was like, oh, you're good. I know. I saw it. Um, and uh, Austin bold player down. Um, but that's exactly. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Um, Still zero, zero, but yeah, zero. but I mean, like you said, think about the people that were affected, the 20 years of war that happened after that, those people with all the bombings and all the military attacks and everything, those people's homeland was under attack for the 20 years after that. We've had two days in the last 80, well, yeah, oh my God, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's been 80 years since Pearl Harbor. Holy mm -hmm. crap. In the last 80 years, we've had our homeland attacked twice. They had their homeland attacked twice every day for the last eight, nearly 80 years. Like, that's insane. It's insane to think about because, I mean, in the 80s, Russia tried to invade Afghanistan yep. unsuccessfully. We tried to in all of the thousands, like from 2001 all the way to 2021. That's what they've had. Um, and this is one of those things where you... And this was the thing that always angered me about the war on terror. I know we're going political on soccer podcast but whatever if you're still listening i appreciate it but that was thing that made always made me mad was they hate it they hate us for our freedoms no no they hate us because we're over there you know bombing them and their their house is constantly um un unsettled all those kids know is war 
uh, kids that are kids that are under 20 years old, they've been at war since they were babies. That's all they know. And nothing good can come out of that. Um, in Iraq, you had a lot of those kids that, uh, joined ISIS and a big reason why they did was, you know, their dads just kind of disappeared and they went to Abu Ghraib, the prison over there. A lot of their uncles just kind of disappeared and they went to like, you know, whether they were guilty or not, that's just kind of how that went. And you, you really have to, obviously being American, you have to, you know, reach out to your, you know, to your fellow American and, uh, God bless our military. And mm-hmm. I mean, you got to feel for them because their families and, and our soldiers sacrifice a lot. But at the same time, you got to think about the people that were affected that whose home that they were in that, you know, it's just uh, wars, wars ugly. And the fallout of war is it, it's, it's never pretty. Um, wars, war, wars, not good. And I'm, I guess that's my long winded way of saying, uh, <laughs> thank God that, um, we are officially, I guess not at war anymore. Uh, yes, we've almost first completed, time in yeah, umpteen years. Yeah, twenty years, twenty plus years. We have officially pulled out of Iraq, and we've officially pulled out of Afghanistan. And it's about damn time because we've wasted so much money, so many lives, so much blood over there. And it was just—it was our modern day Vietnam. It really was, and it lasted was, yeah. twice as long as Vietnam. So, and, and I will say this. Yeah. You can critique how they got out because yep. I don't think it was perfect by any means. The most imp- the most important thing is that time they're out. to get out. Yeah. That's 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 the end result. Exactly, is, and is, and that's that exact same thing would have happened whether we left ten years ago or we left ten years in the future. Yeah, Pretty much the same thing would have happened. It's so, so there's there, yeah. there's never an easy way to end a war. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, no matter what the media likes to tell you, saying, yeah. "Hey, they could have done this different," and yeah, there's there's things that he could have done different. And yeah. There's no question about there's that. There's a there's a certain person. Well, there's a certain person um, that was in a uh, that as of uh, as of January was uh, in a position to mm-hmm. yes, um, uh, lead help. that whole thing, and, and did not his uh, well his opinion was that. He could not believe that the generals on the ground decided to do that, and he would have fired him if he had the opportunity. Uh, he had the opportunity in January and the four years before that, not naming names, uh, and he didn't do any of that. And, and this goes even before yeah. him, the president. Obama and that goes exactly. And, you know, Obama. Just, that was a big. That was a big campaign promise for President Obama. Was that we're getting out of Afghanistan, and all of his generals said, "The hell we are. We are not." <laughs> Um, so. and kind of what it came down. Well, I mean, let's not go into that. And at the same rate, president Bush got us into it. Um, so, so this is president Bush, president Obama, president Trump. It finally ended president with president Biden. Biden. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's just about time. It, I mean, we've had four presidents since we've been in Iraq and Afghanistan since nine 11. And it's that's about time. That's why to me, you know, like I said here, um, that's why I tied the two together because, 911 yeah. started it. Yeah. And 20 years later, four presidents later, you could finally say, "Hey, that's behind and, yeah. and that's behind us and and for some people it's never behind them." And and you know, and, and that's even with them coming home, you know, I, I know my dad dealt with you know, PTSD from the Vietnam War till the day mm-hmm. he died. Um so for some people, you know, even though they're back, they may not be back. So Correct. 
Um, Which is a beautiful transition to September being <laughs> National <laughs> Suicide Prevention. Yes. So. If if you need help, reach. I mean, reach out to Harry or me, or reach out to the national hotline for sure. Um, these people do great work, and man, if you need help, you need help. There is no shame in admitting that you need help, and things are spiraling. Um, just let somebody help you. Um, and if you need help, there's plenty of places to find it, man. Um, we all go through stuff, and sometimes we need help getting out of that. Um, I mean, just, you know, call us or call them um, for sure. Um, but at the same rate, um, uh, wars, I mean, just just to finish it up, the whole reason that we got into the wars, and I, I agree with you, Harry, the first thing that I remember after 9-11 is just being completely angry. Obviously, I was 14 years old, just completely angry with the whole thing. And the next thing I remember in December of that year, uh, there is uh, footage of B-52s dropping bombs on mm-hmm. mountains. Like, and my first question was, what are we hitting? We're dropping these multi-million dollar bombs on mountains. And like, oh, we're blowing up caves. It's like, how do we know it's the right cave? It's a cave. Um. Yeah, and that was just like a, this is obviously misguided. I hope this doesn't. And then you start getting, oh, we're going to invade Afghanistan. Oh, that worked really well in the 80s with the Russians and yes. with Alexander the Great. And with uh, just, there have been many, many, many attempts to invade Afghanistan for centuries. And it's not none just of Afghanistan. None it's of just them that area. Well, in, it's in, just that area. Nation, it's that area. Yeah. And the people that know that area... It's just like Vietnam and the Viet Cong. They go underground. You're never mm-hmm. going to, you're not going to defeat that. There are certain ways to defeat that. Um, and that would be uh, you know, shutting, shutting off supplies and stuff. But it, it, that wasn't the battle that, you know, we went there for. And it's kind of the same thing as Vietnam is. That's not the battle we went there to, to fight. Um, um, and the rules of engagement were kind of, not put in our soldiers' favor, but that's kind of, anyway. Long-winded it's, about that whole crap. 9-11's awful, um, but remember all the people that we lost on that fateful day, um, and remember the heroes that try to help out on that fateful day. Um, and it really should be a holiday that Americans remember that we came together. That was the one thing that 9-11 really did, was it brought us together. There was a lot of divide from the 2000 election <laughs> between Gore and Bush, where you know, Bush uh, stole the election from Gore, whether that really happened, Florida, pregnant chads, all that stuff. I'm going to bring that up again. It brought everyone together. And for a little bit. For a little bit, exactly. Uh, but it did bring people together. People it, were it, proud. Yeah. People were proud to be American. Um, I, and I think I'll, still people are proud. It just, yeah. it's- I'm proud to be American, but there's a lot of crap we can fix about it. <sighs> You can't just be blindly proud. You to love something, you also have to appreciate its imperfections, and you have to want to fix it. So, I think as yeah. a society, we and this is the good and bad. It you know it's it's good because it gives us resources to put out our two cents. Yeah. Um, and like no matter what topic you want, you can find somebody to get out your two cents, and you know some that agree with you, and some that don't agree with you. And I think as a society. Uh, we've let all media 
Um, yeah. Impact our thoughts way too much instead of, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than you. I, you know, I remember having, you know, the 30 hour or 30 minutes news and it was news. It wasn't yeah. all the other stuff. Ten, and then, 10 you, had news for 30 news, and then you had your newspaper and that was it. And, you know, if you want to learn more. The land before the 24 hour news station. Yeah, it was, it was glorious. Yeah. I remember when the only 24 hour channel that was on TV was a TV guide channel that told you what was on. And that was it. There wasn't any 24 hour news channel. So, but, uh, oh, that could have, oh, he should have gone down. He should have gone down. That would have been a penalty. Anyway, uh, (laughs) if you're asking me who's winning this game, um, I still think it ends in a draw, but at least initially here, it looks like the Boulder, uh, that's a bad tackle. That's are, a bad tackle. Doing very well uh, against New Mexico. The bold are creating chances for sure. They're creating and a lot more chances than. I'm sorry, I don't think the bold have you know. Oh wow, that was off the line. Oh wow. I don't think the bold have the have the roster to stay in this, but I wouldn't yeah, mind them to gone down right out, uh, New Mexico. He should have gone but... down. He should have gone down. Or that thought of a penalty. Anyway, but we're now derailed. twenty minutes in. Yeah, uh, that's correct. It's Friday night. You know, I'm gonna go see Monica. You're gonna go see Susie, and and uh, yeah, and, uh, tomorrow is Rex's first uh, soccer match, so that ooh. should be interesting. Yeah, and uh, head coach over here, so that should be very interesting. So. We'll see how I'll that have goes. To, I'll have to get with you to see wh- if where that's at, if it's uh, somewhere close. Uh, you know, we'll come heckle the coach. Yeah, you should. Uh, f- it's fairly close. Um, it's uh, That was awful. I should have put that in the middle. Um, yeah, it's like 90 in couples. It's not far. But anyway. But We'll let you go. Uh, what's life without cool. goals? Uh, like I said here, we'll have a short turnaround. Uh, Sunday night, uh, AJ actually has a uh, soccer match in Bastrop. So, oh, that's right. Uh, when that's we get right. back from Bastrop, uh, maybe around eight thirtieth, because his game doesn't kick off till four, and I think it's what about a two-hour drive. Just about, yeah. Back, so four to six ish, and then so it'll probably be eight thirty ish, open uh, on the way back, and then we'll touch base on the recap of Real Monarchs and look at the upcoming. Um, upcoming week, and I think you're going to be out uh, that night as well here because it's yep. going to be a little bit later. Because that's bedtime for Rex for sure for yep. school. So, but what's life without goals? Hope everybody has a great day. See you.